evening and welcome to the show. You are listening to Free Talk Live. Freetalklive.com is the website where you can find out more about us and find out ways to get in touch with us and listen to the show. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Julia. And you can call us and bring up whatever's on your mind tonight at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. So, Julia, we've got, uh, it's a little bit of an unusual setup tonight. Mark is away on his cruise and uh, he'll be back at some point if he doesn't get ambushed by pirates, right? Right. Yeah. Got to watch out when you're on the high seas. But But, uh, I appreciate you being here with me tonight. And, uh, you know, it feels a little bit weird because it feels like it's about an hour later than it actually is, right? right? Yes. Um, For those who are not familiar, um, uh, unfortunately, New Hampshire still participates in the archaic ritual known as daylight saving time. Are there a lot of states that don't participate? There are a few. Um, Arizona, I I think, is one. But I didn't know of any others. Yeah. um, At one point, I don't know if this is still true, but at one point there was like half of a state that did participate. Indiana, I think I want to say. And uh, half of it did change the clocks and half of it did not. And so you would walk across this line and it would be an hour different. So strange. Oh, it's so arbitrary and weird. And, you know, I thought the time was supposed to be determined by the position of the sun or something like that. But, uh, um, you know, there was this quote going around on Facebook, I guess, today. Uh, saying something like only the government thinks that they can cut one foot off the top of a blanket and sew it onto the bottom of the blanket and think that there's an extra foot on the blanket. Yeah, I saw that too. And it's really descriptive because it's just, I mean, the hubris of people who think that they have the legitimate authority to control what time it is. (laughs) I don't even find it to be practical because personally, I don't like it when it gets dark at four o'clock. And in New Hampshire here in December and January, it really does get dark around 4.30. I would rather it be darker in the morning than and extend till five o'clock. Well, in the winter, when it gets dark in New Hampshire, where we live um, around four o'clock or 4.30, I know I agree that it's really uh, troublesome. And a lot of people get depressed because of that. Because they go go to work and it's dark and then they come home and it's also dark and they just never see the sunlight. Right. But that's that's supposed to be the natural time. So th- that's when it's off daylight savings time. Daylight savings time apparently is when you turn the clocks ahead in the summer, then you're on it. And then you get off of it on, in the fall when you set them back. And I hate in the spring <laughs> when I lose an hour of sleep. Yes. It is not worth it at all to me. Yeah. Ever. Gaining the hour of sleep is wonderful, but I would rather just neither happen because when springtime comes and I lose that hour of sleep, I am grumpy. Yes, absolutely. I think everybody is. And it do, it goes beyond just grumpy because, you know, there have been several studies that have shown uh, an increased incidence of heart attacks and traffic accidents. And on average, people sleep an hour less when they lose the hour. Right. They don't go to bed earlier. They just lose, you know, they lose an hour of sleep. And so they're not as alert on the job. And then if you're a construction worker, that's no good. You got to be on your game. Yeah. So I don't know. And and definitely it causes problems with um, automated machines and stuff that may not update uh, on their own. You know, people have to manually reset them. And we had a girl the other day, uh, last week, she came in an hour late, and what had happened was she had one of those clocks that automatically, re- when the power goes out, it automatically turns on, Oh, and it was on some, like, the old daylight savings, Yes, and so she woke up to that clock, and she was an hour late because it had adjusted the time, but... <laughs> 
Gosh. Yeah. I mean, and the government, that's the other thing about the government. They keep changing when the days are. They added a couple of weeks to it a couple of years ago in 2008 or something like that. I didn't even know that. I guess I'm just out of touch with that kind of news, but because I don't have TV, so I don't watch like the standard news. So if I don't see it on the internet, I just don't know about it. And someone told me that and I thought this year was the first year. I had no idea that it had been going on. My workplace um, sends emails about it and they'll send a little reminder. Don't forget to turn your clocks back or whatever. And in the fall, they always act like it's such a happy occasion that, you know, you get an hour of sleep. But it's like that has to come from somewhere. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about gaining extra time, why don't we just set the clocks back a day and then we'll all gain an extra day of productivity or whatever. It's ludicrous. So according to Wiki Answers, which I know is not the most reliable source, um, only Arizona and Hawaii observe Mm. or don't observe daylight savings time. Well, that makes sense because the reason people claim that the reason that this is done in the first place is to get extra daylight at the end of the day so that um, in the afternoon it's light out later. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I can't understand like, it. I'm you don't just saying. get extra daylight because you change the clocks. You have the same amount <laughs> yeah. of daylight always. Well, they assume that everybody gets up at 8 a.m. to go yeah. to their nine to five job. And not everybody has that kind of job in today's world. And and then they say stuff about, you know, the kids waiting for the school buses or whatever in the wintertime. And I just don't get that argument. I mean, if we're going to change what time it is to protect the kids waiting for the school buses. I don't know if you have thoughts at a school bus stop. There's at least one parent. You know what I mean? Like somebody's right. Like somebody's (laughs) lingering mom. And up here, I've have not seen like actual bus stops where there's a group of kids. I have seen the buses stop at individual houses, which I think is Mm -hmm. crazy, by the way. But it's you can't walk down the street. Yeah. Well, and how about the problem? I mean, if they weren't really wanted to protect the kids waiting for the buses, then maybe they wouldn't start school at 6.30 a.m. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> Ooh, that's a whole nother hot issue for me. That's just way too early for kids to be up. Yeah, exactly. When kids, you know, all of their hormones, all the hormonal changes that are taking place in their bodies are telling them to shift their schedule and sleep a little bit later and stay up later. And so I don't know why why they would be expected to learn when they're dead tired you know, to drag themselves out of bed and go to this place where they don't want to be, where they're taught things that they don't want to learn, you know, and, and, and be expected to take it with a smile and love it is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, I want to hear your thoughts. 855-450-3733 if you can weigh in on this discussion. But uh, go ahead, Julia. I was just going to say that I had a lot of problems getting up when I was a kid. Like my me mom too. just could not get me out of bed. And yeah, I, your body's telling you you need sleep. It's totally <laughs> I, yeah, natural. I just wouldn't get up. She'd be so mad. But I mean, she would try to wake me up and I would always just be like, I don't feel good. I'm not going to school today. You know, and eventually I'd get up and then she'd take me in late. And I always she always had to get doctor's notes because there's so many tardies you can have. And it was like well, a really big problem in my house. Yeah. Well, in some places now they're going after parents with criminal charges if their kids miss too many days of school. That's psychotic. Yeah. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember that kind of stuff happening. I went to high school around the year 2000 and graduated in 2002 um, and I did go to government high school unfortunately and I you know there were a lot of kids who were truant and stuff but they never got criminal charges out of it no but nowadays you're reading or I'm reading a lot of 
uh, news stories that say that that's actually happening and they're enforcing it by going after the parents. So that's kind of scary. Just another reason to not send your kids to government school. I mean, if you think about it, if we think of children as as human beings with full human rights, uh, why would we want to send them to day prison? What have they done to deserve that? You know, why not work with their natural inclinations to, you know, sleep when they feel comfortable, wake up when they feel comfortable and learn the things that they find interesting, you know? I, I don't know how much you know about the unschooling. Yeah, I'm familiar with it, yeah. We read an article once on the air, and I just thought it was the most awesome thing I'd ever heard, and it was about one of these unschool locations mm-hmm. um, somewhere in Florida, and the kids could come in when they wanted. They could leave if their parents wanted to come and pick them up and take them to lunch. Like, they could do that. Mm-hmm. If their parents wanted to take them home early, they could do that. And it wasn't a huge ordeal. They didn't have to get permission. They could just come when they wanted, and they could pick to do what they wanted, like if they felt like playing around in the mud for a few hours. <laughs> and they actually did better on tests than the public school kids because they did want to learn. I'm sure they did. Yeah. I feel like most of the stuff that I learned at that age, uh, I learned in spite of government school. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would do a lot of reading and teach myself things that I was interested in. Well, I I learned how to read from my parents and I was really above the rest of the class as far as reading level was concerned. And I remember having to kind of wait. You know what I mean? Like it was too dumb. I was just... uh, (laughs) Yeah, they had to catch up to you. Right. And I don't mean that in an insulting like pompous way like oh i was so smart i could you know when there are 30 kids in a class right everybody's at a different level and i had to wait and other people too you know had to wait for all of these kids to catch up it was very irritating yep just like my whole childhood in government school (laughs) this is free talk live we'll be back in a few 855-450 free we already got some calls of people who want to talk about daylight savings time i guess they want to rant this (laughs) is free talk live stay tuned This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show, and thanks for joining us tonight. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Julia. And check out listen.freetalklive.com. That's our website. And if you go to that subdomain, you can figure out the best ways to listen to the show for you, including live streams, radio, satellite, our webcam, and the listen lines. So go there, check it out, and check out all the other cool features on freetalklive.com for free. We're talking about Daylight Savings Day, but we have a lot of other stuff that we want to get to tonight, Julia, right? Yes. Uh, Including candy being as addictive as crack. Fills my heart with joy. (laughs) Not really, but... Yeah, and and also something about the bank transfer day that recently happened. I think yesterday was the kind of uh, pinnacle of it, even though it was on a weekend. I was going to say Saturday banks aren't open. That's kind of weird, but... Yeah, I think it was supposed to be going on through all of October, but we'll get into that a little bit more and, of course, talk about whatever's on your mind at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We did have a call from Colin in Oregon who would like to talk about Daylight TSA. Uh, Colin, are you with us? I am with you. What's this Daylight TSA? (laughs) Oh, no. Daylight Savings Time, I did want to comment on that, but mostly I called about my experience today with the TSA. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, daylight TSA, that's kind of weird. <laughs> that's what our board anyway, operator yeah. said. It makes sense now. <laughs> okay, um, well, daylight savings time, it is ridiculous, I agree. I do agree with Julia, though, that I prefer the uh, daylight savings time to the standard time because I'm up here in, 
you know, the Pacific Northwest, kind of the same. Uh, so you like it when there's as you guys. You like it when huh? it's like an hour shifted forward. Is that what you mean? Yeah, well, I was going to say not so much the shift. Yeah, like an hour shifted forward because my job gets a lot harder after the sun goes down, and I typically work till about six o'clock at night. So, mm-hmm. you know, during the winter it's here at four o'clock, and that's yeah, that's nasty. Yeah, it's hard at those northern but, latitudes, and you know, and then of yeah. course there's a seasonal affective disorder where a lot of people get a little bit blue, uh, ranging up to very depressed in the winter time. I don't, I don't have the blue problem or the depression, but I, I will admit that I don't really feel as productive. Like I don't feel like doing as much when it starts to get dark. It's like time to put pajamas on for me and <laughs> wind down. So I find myself kind of going to bed unusually early, like at eight o'clock, and I don't really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe the solution is just a free market in time zones. That way, each region could set their own time. I love it, Colin. Sometimes I like to say that I operate on anarchist standard time, which means I just show up whenever I feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it can't really do work it. for the jobs. We can't do that with Free Talk Live either because it's always going to start at 7.06 no matter what, seven days a week. So we got to show up on time. Well, that's not true. It starts at about 4.06 here in Oregon, see? Ah, uh, exactly. Yep. I guess you can pick which one you like. So, so I like that. But what else was on your mind about the TSA, Colin? Well, um, today I dropped my wife and my two young kids off at the Portland airport, and uh, I got to watch them go through security. I didn't get to go through with them because I wasn't flying. Mm. Um, It was something we had talked about. I wasn't really comfortable with the idea of her flying, but she really wanted to go see our family in California and get some help with the kids for a week. Mm. And driving's not really an option for her because she's disabled. Oh, Um, I see. But, uh, yeah, so... So did that cause... Definitely trepidatious about it. Yeah, go on. I'm sorry. And um, she... We had talked about it beforehand, and she said that it was her body. It was worth it to her to go through whatever she had to to be able to get home to her family. But we had agreed that if they did anything she wasn't uncomfortable with with the kids, then she would just turn around and, you know, forget about the tickets. Mm-hmm. Um so it ended up being surprisingly positive. Um, I didn't see a backscatter machine. I've never seen one in real life, so maybe I just missed it. But I didn't. All I saw was kind of the normal-looking metal detectors. Um, Some airports don't by. have them, Colin. I mean, they plan to roll them out into every airport eventually. I think, but some of them, like the Manchester Airport here in New Hampshire. Um, doesn't have them yet, and some of the other airports around the country, especially the smaller ones, yeah. don't have them. I love the Manchester oh, airport. I hope they never Me too. Did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, they told us as we got up that there had been some changes recently, like uh, children under 12 weren't required to take their shoes off. So I guess we're all in danger now. I guess they can't fit them. anything dangerous in their shoes because their feet are too small. Yeah. It's pretty arbitrary. Like the minute a yeah. children a child's twelfth birthday rolls around up, then they have to take off their shoes, right? Yeah. Sure. Well, then they could be a terrorist. Yeah. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> Terrorists are only above the age of twelve, apparently. Well, I mean, it's yeah. you know this is this is a horrible thing, and not to make light of it, but you know a lot of the soldiers over in the Middle East that are there. Uh, killing people in the name of all these wars of aggression are saying stuff like, well, we had to shoot those five-year-olds because they could have been terrorists, you know? Yeah. That's disturbing. 
Yes, it's very disturbing. Did you see the video a while back of um, there was a TSA agent and they were trying to pat down some little kid. It was like a four-year-old girl and she was screaming, just did not want this guy to touch her, which is understandable. And the poor parents, they were trying to calm her down and she just wouldn't let. It was very amusing. Just just yeah. because this, I mean, it's very natural for a child not to want some stranger to touch them. Yeah. And he, but, you know, he wanted to because it was the law. And like, really, you can't let it go. Yeah. You think this baby has a bomb or something, really? I mean. And children are so good at pointing out the inconsistencies in adults' behavior and yeah. po- pointing out the things that just don't make sense if you know yeah. basic rules of the world around you, yeah. you know? Uh, like treat people with respect and don't don't let strangers touch you. I'm sure that's what she was told by her right. parents. And here's some guy trying feeling her up. You know, he's grabbing her legs and just trying to oh. give her the pat down. And she Gosh. did not want it. Yeah. It was very amusing. He actually ended up giving up, which makes me oh, happy. That's great. Yep. <laughs> so, Colin, anything else on your mind tonight? I assume it came out pretty well. Yeah, it came out well. She was even allowed to take a couple of juice boxes with her. Really? Were they over three ounces or whatever the arbitrary limit is? No, I probably over three ounces. Three ounces isn't very much in a juice box. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. I I would imagine they'd have to be over three ounces. And it it really, the whole thing just left me wondering, like, you know, if they're able to be at this one airport so lax compared to some of the horror stories that I've heard, and yet nothing bad happened. Yeah. Kind of makes you think, you know? Yeah, why can't they do that everywhere? Colin, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm glad it turned out well for you, and I thank you so much for the call tonight. Yeah, interesting. Have you flown recently, Julia? I flew, I want to say two years ago, but maybe mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And it was, I actually had an experience on the airplane that I found really disturbing. There was a uh, black kid sitting in front of me, and he was alone. He didn't have any parents with him. He was like 14. Mm-hmm. And he had headphones on. And this guy who was working on the plane, I think some sort of a steward, came over and he said, uh, take take those headphones out. And it was very rude. And um, the kid looked at him and he wasn't rude. I think he was just curious. And he said, why? And the guy looked just appalled that he would ask him this. And he said, because I said so and screamed at the kid. And it made me so uncomfortable. I wanted to say something, but I didn't want to get kicked off the plane. So I was like, just let it go. And I thought, you know, if the kid's parents were there, I'm sure that they would not speak to him this way. I wonder if the guy, the steward would have said that to an adult. Well, I I was on a second plane and the woman asked somebody else to do it. And she, when they asked why, she just said, well, just while the plane's going off in case there's an announcement very pleasantly. So he didn't need to react that way. Wow. Authority. He's just, you know, he just, the authority. He, he had it. Yeah, they do have it. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE is our number. Tell us what's on your mind. When we get back, we're going to talk about candy being as a As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. This is Free Talk Live. Thank you for joining us this evening. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Julia. 
And Free Talk Live is a show where you can take control of the phones, call in and bring up whatever's on your mind. We've been talking about interesting stuff tonight, the daylight savings time and uh, some TSA stories. Going to get into some stuff about government schools a little bit later on tonight. But of course, you can call us at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We do have a call on the line that I would like to get to. Caleb in Texas is with us, and he wants to talk about something military-related. Caleb, are you here? Yeah, hi, ladies. Uh, I uh, I heard that comment a few moments ago. I just tuned in about uh, our troops shooting five-year-olds and kind of winced a little bit, uh, ex-Marine here. Um, this, specifically, we're not really shooting five-year-olds. We are blowing them up inhumanely in airstrikes and whatnot. Well, we, we have, I mean, Caleb, just to jump civilian. in, and just to jump in for a minute, if I could, we aren't doing anything. I mean, I'm not yeah. shooting anybody or blowing anyone up, but I, I am, however, unfortunately forced to pay for it, which I disagree with. That's yeah. And you're a hundred percent right. Yeah. Some people, I'm not a zombie uh, slave to the great warbird bald eagle and think rah, rah, you know, okay. fight for the empire, all that. Sure. Um, it is. I mean, it's that and that, that generalization was a little rough. Specifically, something that is kind of disturbing, we do have, again, we, that's the wrong term, government and agents of the government and people who work with the government do hire civilian contractors, uh, Mm -hmm. State Department, uh, CIA, uh, hire civilians to specifically kill civilians over there in Pakistan to stir up trouble so that they can get more funding and, and, and things with talent. Now, we do specifically, again, the we is the wrong word, we, there are contractors specifically uh, shooting civilians in Pakistan, but mm-hmm. not U.S. troops. Not not our, our you know our guys aren't uh, aren't over there just out there shooting kids. Well, I, so I, I just mean, want to make that distinction. There's civilian contractors doing that, but it's not our troops doing that. Caleb, I do appreciate that uh, clarification, and obviously you're someone who's a little bit more connected to this because you said, as you said, you're an ex-Marine. When I actually made that comment, I was thinking, uh, I was recalling the story of the so-called kill team, and that was uh, U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. And I remember there was an article in the Rolling Stone that was very graphic and described how they had this... uh, you know, these challenges of who could be the first one to kill an Afghani person, and they would bring back the fingers as trophies and things like that, and there are pictures of this. And, I mean, uh, that's what I was thinking of when I made that comment. And I I think there are more examples of this, too. There's the collateral murder video where a bunch of civilians were killed, including some some that were children, too. So, uh, you know, regardless of of the uh, exact details, I do think there have been U.S. troops that have been involved with killing uh, definitely civilians and, and uh, specifically civilian children. Um, and I think that we probably wouldn't disagree there that we think that's wrong, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, from the top down, it's, it's, a, it's a barbaric policy uh, that, that, that uh, people are forced to follow, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's certainly not the uh, policy of our troops to, to target uh, civilians, you know, individually. But we do hire people to, to do that. So I don't know if that's one degree of separation really absolves us of anything. But and it just stung a little bit, you know, now that you, you know, it, it'll just, uh, I don't know. Yep. You guys yep. have a great night. Thanks, Caleb. Bye. I do appreciate your call. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's, it's awful. It's really hard to defend. You know, I think, I think when Soldiers are sent to war and, you know, all branches of the military, when they go to war and they start 
getting in this environment where they're just seeing death and destruction all around them. They're seeing things blow up at a moment's notice. They get really scared. Their fight or flight act, uh, fight or flight uh, response gets activated and it really doesn't turn off, you know, the whole time that they're over there. Uh, it just leads to these atrocities. You know, uh, people say war is hell and it's, it's completely true. It just creates this environment where, Horrible things happen on a daily basis, and and the, that's just that world, uh, you know. And the the atrocities just perpetuate each other. It's really sad. Yeah. I don't even like to think about it. You're talking about videos of kids getting blown up, and I just wouldn't even watch it. I don't want to see it. I yeah, I don't watch it. I just I read about it, and yeah. I can kind of disconnect myself from it enough by reading about it instead of watching the videos. But when I see still photographs even it's just really heartbreaking well, i think it's important to realize that it exists and not pretend like it doesn't yes but it is just really sad so yeah it, it just burns me up that i'm forced to pay for this you know yeah i would not support this if i had a choice about it you not know? And at I, all and i try you know i, I try not think to most people would not i could be wrong about that but i think most people would not support blowing up children yeah <laughs> for any cause at all i hope anyway yeah, I hope too. And it's it's so, you know, I I always think about and wonder about the propaganda and the kind of strategies that uh, politicians use to get people to support these wars. And a lot of it is just fear. You know, it's it's painting the other side as not human beings, right? As people who are less, you know, subhuman, who are savages, barbarians, you know, uh, who do these things that are very different from us, whatever that is, you know, us white people or Americans or whatever. Uh, and and they they'll intimidate people who dissent too. You know, if you express an opinion that's uh, uh, peaceful or anti-war, you'll be told, you know, well, you obviously you don't support America. You're unpatriotic yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So it's important to de- deconstruct those things and realize what goes on. Wasn't so. it the Dixie Chicks a few years ago, or I guess it wasn't a few. It was when or the Iraq oh, War yes. started. They came out publicly for yes. not approving the war and they got a lot of social ostracism for that I, th- I think oh yeah they got all the way up to the levels of politics I think even George Bush made comments about it himself yeah. uh, saying that they were unpatriotic and un-American all because they questioned whether the US should go into Iraq and mm-hmm. invade it I mean <laughs> it's a completely reasonable question yeah. and Man, and they were in the country music scene. and Right. That, well, that's what I was thinking. And I hate to be, you know, stereotypes, right? But I would say yeah. that the majority of people who, no, I shouldn't say the majority. Some of the people, a large percentage, perhaps, of the people who listen to the music are patriotic. Yeah. I mean, well, it, you know, it's. I think it's fair to say that and to make that generalization because there are so many country songs that are about, I mean, what's that one? Proud to be an American. <laughs> you know more about country music than I do, Where apparently. at least I know I'm free. <laughs> People are kind of right. sticking their fingers in their ears right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just when I picture, you know, the country music, I picture the cowboy boots. I picture the uh, the rebel flags or the like American flags. <laughs> yes. and, and I think of Texas. I don't know if that's accurate, but that's just... What's yeah. in my head? Yeah, I know. I, I have those images, too. And I wonder if it, I'm just a, you know, a, a New England yeah. born and raised, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've never liked country music. And actually, funny enough, um, have you ever heard this, Julia? There are some people, including Brett, who has been a co-host of the show before, Brett from the School Sucks podcast, who has compared who have compared uh, country music to rap music. 
in that it uh, it glorifies alcoholism. Yes. It uh, talks a lot about misogyny and poor treatment of women. And uh, it's it's about basically allegiance to arbitrary groups. I don't listen to a lot of country music. I have heard some rap, but um, I, I can see the connection, I guess, based on what I know. Yeah. Just an interesting food for thought. If you would like to weigh in with your thoughts. and It is the most popular music in America, I believe. It's at least the most popular radio format. Yes. Yeah. I believe it. There are lots of people, even in New Hampshire, where you wouldn't think it would be that popular. You you still hear it a lot. So 855-450-FREE, if you want to tell us what your favorite country song is, you can even serenade us <laughs> on the air if you want. don't want to hear me singing, uh, what's his name, Toby Keith's song, <laughs> 855-450-3733. And, you know, in the meantime, Julia, we were talking about reading this article about um, food and the addictive power of sugar. Mm-hmm. And I think this is interesting because we can relate this to liberty and, and big government as well. I've heard a lot of calls, you know, I'm in the medical field and it seems like every week they there's a, a new editorial that comes out from some famous doctor saying we got to ban sugar. We got to ban soda. Not, yeah. not, not sugar yet, but they definitely are saying that, uh, you know, we need to tax soda so people don't drink as much of it. Yeah. And, you know, in, in Denmark or uh, one of these Scandinavian countries, they actually instituted a tax on saturated fat recently. I heard that. So it's not out of this world. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. Call us with your thoughts. Stick around. Free Talk Live. It's the show where you can call in and take control of the airwaves. Call us at (laughs) 855-450-3733 and check out uh, archives.freetalklive.com. Unlike other talk radio shows who usually charge for their archives, Free Talk Live gives away MP3 archives of the show going all the way back to 2006. It's a pretty good deal, and it's all there on the website for free at archives.freetalklive.com. Julia, we were talking about... Uh, by the way, this is Stephanie with you. And Julia. Uh, we were talking in the last segment about country music and the patriotism and nationalism that's associated with it. <laughs> do we have a call? <laughs> we do have a call about country music. Let's see what Michael has to say. Michael, are you with us? Hey, how's it going? Wonderful. What's on your mind? Well, I, I wanted to call in and, and take up uh, for at least some uh, country music because y'all were pretty hard on it. And I, I just want to remind you that there's a lot of different kinds of country music, and what is promoted by Nashville is just is just part of that. You know, you also have the outlaw uh, country tradition. Huh. You have people like uh, John Prine, who you know he wrote a famous song, uh, "Your Flag Decal Won't Get You Into Heaven Anymore." <laughs> huh. um, so there's like in, indie like- country music. Basically, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Cool. You have folks like um, Hank the Third, uh, you know Hank William Jr.'s son, who's very uh, open about uh, marijuana and and uh, huh. fighting the drug war. Interesting. Uh, so it's it's not you know everyone's everyone's not this you know red white and blue flag waving. Uh, <laughs> Uh, stereotype, you know what I'm saying? I I really appreciate you bringing that up, Michael, because I think you're right. I think I generalized a little bit too much, and it's easy for me to say because I don't really listen to country music, and so I just see the most mainstream of the nationalistic flag-waving stuff. Yeah. I I was going to say, to be fair, I did admit that I don't know anything about country music. I do not listen to country (laughs) music, and I, I was... 
sort of joking. I mean, that's that is what I picture, but I was saying it in a in a funny, like friendly way. So I, I definitely hear what you're saying, and I, I I appreciate you pointing that out. But it's good to know that there is like indie country yeah. music that has I guess a little bit there more. There really of a is every genre theme. is much deeper than you think it is if yes. you don't know anything about it. Now, Michael, are there people who only listen to the indie country music and will uh, kind of have those themes of like basically libertarianism that are expressed in it? And they do they like hate on the people who listen to the mainstream country music? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There. I mean, I'm, so there I'm, you I go. Every I'm, every yeah. genre is basically the same. Yes. <laughs> they, have, they have the hipsters with the indie rock who want to listen to only the bands that you've never heard of because yeah. those are the only good ones until somebody hears about it, then it's not good anymore. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm kind of one of those people, you know. I don't, I can't, I, I can't really stand the uh, the Nashville uh, sound that that's mm-hmm. on your you know, most local country music stations. So you know, I listen to what I download, and and uh, it's much better. Interesting. Yeah. Now, one more question, Michael, before you go, I I want to ask you, um, how are the independent country artists about um, intellectual property stuff? Like, do they? ever give away their albums for free or anything like that? Because I know that's found in a lot of other genres like electronic music. Yes. There's a lot of uh, distribution over the internet and things like that. Honestly, I, um, the ones that I um, have that I'm most familiar with, you know, you, you can buy it from their website. Mm-hmm. Um, but they put out a lot of uh, free music as well on YouTube and things like that. So you could listen to pretty much all their songs for free if you wanted to. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. what's your favorite song? <laughs> I don't know. I, favorite I, indie country Beaver, music I think song. <laughs> that, that John Prine song is just hilarious. That uh, your flag decal won't get you into heaven anymore. I mean, that's fantastic stuff. So. Yep, I like it, Michael. Thanks for the call. Do appreciate that enlightenment about. Yes. It's true. Every genre is deeper than you think. It, it is, and you know. I mean, I really say it in a light way because I I listen to electronic music and I have for a decade now. And Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a genre that is mocked and mocked. So I (laughs) I don't you know, I'm very lighthearted about music. A lot of the fans are like younger people who are into Internet memes. And actually, we were just talking about Internet memes before the show. Business cat. Business cat, chemistry cat. That's <laughs> a little bit of an inside joke. But, you know, Julia, I did want to get into this story about uh, sugar addiction, which I think is interesting because, as we were saying in the last segment, basically every time you turn the corner, there's some famous doctor who's coming out and saying, we have to ban soda. Right. It's a matter of public health, <laughs> you know, or we have to tax soda. Right. Actually, I have a funny story that maybe I'll reserve it for after we read this because it, it kind of relates. It's about a soda tax uh, bureaucrat who I encountered at my workplace. But uh, anyway, um, this is from the dailymail.co.uk. The headline is, Are Cupcakes as Addictive as Cocaine? How High Sugar Processed Food Can Have the Same Effect on the Brain as Drugs? We all know junk food is bad for us, but could eating too much be making us crave it more? Scientists in the UK have drawn attention to a growing volume of research indicating that products sweetened with sugar or high fructose corn syrup can be as addictive as cocaine or nicotine. There have been 28 studies in the past year alone, and experts say the findings are so overwhelming they can no longer be dismissed. They found that when obese people and compulsive eaters were shown pictures of their favorite foods, a decision-making area of the brain called the orbital frontal cortex experiences a surge of dopamine. The same area is activated when cocaine addicts are shown a bag of white powder. 
And uh, this is something that the, that they will actually say people who are recovering cocaine addicts will sometimes say that, you know, they'll be looking at like a salt shaker and somebody will spill it and they'll see the, the salt spill out onto the table and they'll get triggered, you know, and they'll have a craving for for their uh, their drug that they maybe maybe have kicked the addiction to years ago. Right. Well, I can say from personal experience, because I have been fairly interested in nutrition and eating well for many years now. And, you know, it's it's been a journey. It's taken a long time to sort of cut a lot of these foods out. But you realize that when you start actually reading nutrition labels and, and making better decisions about what you eat, that everything in the store, like 90% of products in the grocery store have high fructose corn syrup in it, like sugar. I mean, things that don't need it. Bread. Why does bread need sugar? You know, there's (laughs) all of these. Well, you know why it's in there. I think a lot of that is an artifact of the government's um, policies, their food pyramid. It definitely is. Because in the 90s, they came out, or not in the 90s, actually, I think it was before that, in like the 70s, uh, they came out with this food pyramid, the USDA did. And it was heavily influenced by lobbying from the grain industry and the dairy industry and stuff like that. And so the, the base of the food pyramid or the things that they told you to eat the most of were grains. Right. And then they told you to eat very little meats and fats and basically use those sparingly was what their wording was. Right. And so you saw all these products shifting as people embraced this low fat diet and to to replace the flavor that was taken out of foods when the fat was decreased the companies would add things like sugar well and sugar high fructose corn syrup is subsidized by the by the government corn is yes so it's artificially and sugar cheap is tariffed as a imported it, good that is true yeah so it it's in 90% of what you eat but where I was going with that was that, um, you know, when I stopped eating these foods, it was definitely really challenging at first. Mm-hmm. And I do not crave them anymore at all. Like, we had a Halloween party at my work, and it, there was a huge potluck. There was fried chicken. There was, you know, cake. And on my desk, there was trick-or-treaters coming through later, little kids. So they put the bowl of candy on my desk. And all day long, I watched these adults walk by, and they just couldn't help but take the piece <laughs> yes. of candy. I need the candy. And, and I didn't even consider taking a piece. I just didn't care. I could sit there all day. I, you know, it's just candy. I don't, I don't mm. crave it like I used to. Well, it helps to become conscious of this and know that certain foods can have a, a sort of rewarding effect on the brain. Yeah. But you know, the thing I wanted to discuss with this article is that they're almost making it out, and a lot of uh, obesity researchers and so-called public health doctors do this. They're almost making it out as if people have no choice. Yeah. And they can't control themselves. They're, they're there's something in them that's just going to instinctually motivate them to reach for that extra piece of candy or that soda, even though they don't really want to eat it. They don't want to become fat. They, they just can't help themselves. And so we need the government is the next step, the next logical conclusion right. in their mind. We need the government to come in and tax, ban or regulate even whatever bad food it is. It's their fault that it's so plentiful at this point in time. Exactly. In all the foods. They create a problem and then they purport to solve the same problem. I want to get your thoughts on this 855-450-FREE. That is 855-450-3733. Uh, if you have sugar addiction stories or maybe you think soda should be banned, let us know. Give us a call. But uh, one last quote from this article, Julia. Richard Adamson, a pharmacologist and consultant for the American Beverage Association, 
added that the suggestion that dunk f- junk food, excuse me, is as addictive as cocaine or her- heroin is ridiculous. So this guy is a consultant for the American Beverage Association, and he's yeah. sort of responding to the idea that sugar is addictive. And here's what he says. He says, I have never heard of anyone robbing a bank to get money to buy a candy bar or ice cream or pop. Yeah, he's missing a very key factor here. Yeah. Black market, right? (laughs) Right. The reason that people who are addicted to drugs are robbing and stealing and hurting people is because drugs are illegal and it drives up the price. Nobody has to knock over Nice try, though. Yeah, exactly. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up when we return. We're going to talk about teachers writing their own textbooks. 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com LC9. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. We're kicking off Hour 2 with Stephanie. And Julia. And of course, Free Talk Live is the show where you can take control of the airwaves. Call us at 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE. We've had an interesting show so far, Julia. We've covered a wide gamut of topics, including uh, country music and nationalism (laughs) (laughs) and uh, sugar and people who want to ban sugar and... uh, I do want to let you know about the Free State Project. They've got an event coming up. It's called Liberty Forum, and it's taking place in Nashua, New Hampshire. It's a good opportunity to visit and see what the Liberty Movement is all about. And it's happening this February 23rd through the 26th. And you can find out more about that by going to freestateproject.org. And I believe if you go on the front page, there will be a prominent link to the Liberty Forum. I'm going to be there. It's going to be loads of fun. Very excited about that. We do have a call from Steve on the line, and Steve wants to talk about, well, intellectual property issues. He wants to talk about somebody who gave away an ebook and ended up as a millionaire. Steve, are you with us? Yes, I am. Uh, hello, Stephanie and Julia. Hi. Um, I, I, uh, I am a uh, former fitness freak, and I'm now becoming a fitness freak once again. And in fact, I used to be a personal trainer. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, so while online, um, looking around for various, you know, typing in various keywords and stuff. Uh, I came across this website, and I'm sorry, I don't have my computer in front of me. I think it's called Strong Lifts 5, 5X5, 5x5.com. Uh, uh, okay. And this is, uh, this is a guy who I believe is Turkish. I think he lives in Belgium, uh, and his primary language is French. And he took this old program that these uh, uh, weightlifting guys back in the 40s used mm-hmm. and uh, basically said, look, you know, you don't need all these, this crazy new stuff, you know, with 30 uh, different exercises. Do what these old guys did. I've done it. It works. And he wrote this book and put it in PDF form and gave it away for free and then uh, had people, 
you know, had his website mostly accessible for free, but then he uh, had an inner circle, uh, yep. which you pay for. I, I'm not sure how much. And also he uh, um, became a trainer. Now his, uh, uh, you know, and charging people to train them. Mm-hmm. And his fame, because of giving away this book for free, his fame grew to the point where he was literally the most expensive personal trainer in all of Europe. He was charging wow. up to twenty five hundred dollars per uh, per hour for a session. He's now a millionaire. Very interesting stuff. Yep. Now. Julia, are you hearing this music? Yeah. Okay. I think that was a little bit of an error, but okay, we'll just go on. Uh, Steve, that's that's interesting, and I think what you're describing is the freemium business model, right? Where uh, right. he gives away something for free and kind of becomes known as an expert in the field, and then he's able to charge for an additional service or an upgrade or something like that. And it's, it's very effective. You know, I think I've uh-huh. utilized some services that are kind of like this in the past. Sounds like uh, an internship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you give away your yeah, services just, for free right? and then get hired. Get yeah. the practice and the experience, and then people trust you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the the thing, you know, reading, I haven't read his whole website, and I've not even finished the whole book. I'm about two-thirds of the way through. Um, you get the feeling that he it wasn't really a business plan. You know, hey, I'll give this away for free, and then I'll get famous and charge all this money to train people. This wasn't his plan. It didn't, doesn't appear to me. It appeared to me that what it was was, he found this old, old program that these guys, like I said, used back in the 40s and 50s to get big and strong. Mm-hmm. And he, he, in his mind, he must have thought, you know, I don't own this. And since I don't own it, I can't really sell it. Hmm. But I can give it away. I, I think. And don't You can't quote me on that, but I, I'm pretty sure that's how he... Uh, uh, his thought process went on this, and it just worked so out. So, what, what really was the well secret, <laughs> or what was the program? Do you know anything about it? Yeah, I do. It's uh, it's um, called the five by five program. In fact, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, used it early on in his career. He got Steve. Steve, we're going to put you on hold. I can't hear you right now, so maybe Steve will come back. But It sounded I'm like he got cut off. What he was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I know our Arnold Schwarzenegger used not only this five by five, but maybe also some uh, juice in the beginning of his yeah. career. Uh, Steve, we'll try you back. Steve, are you with us? Steve looks like he's gone. Okay, Steve, well, I'm curious to hear what the secret was, but maybe the New World Order took him out or something. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want them to give it away. So, Steve, you're welcome to call back if you uh, get into a better phone connection. But, yeah, it's an interesting concept of how someone can basically become an authority on a certain subject by giving away their services and then uh, have a uh, premium model. Uh, I think this is, might be Steve calling back. Is this Steve? Yes, hello. Hello. Yeah, we. I guess hey. we lost you there. So what was the secret yeah, to this weird. personal trainer's uh, program? Well, what it is is it's you do uh, what I've gathered so far, and I haven't gotten really much into it. He's, I'm still kind of at the salesman point. Like he, he waits until the last minute, I think, and springs the whole program onto you. What I've gathered so mm-hmm. far, it's a pretty good program. And it's actually similar to what I've been using on my own for years. I just didn't know it had a name. It's called the 5x5, five five, and what it is is it's you limit your – uh, exercises to compound movements, in other words, squat instead of, you know, you, you do the barbell squat instead of uh, doing leg extensions. Oh, know, yeah. Do, th- uh, I mean, that seems very intuitive, and, actually. I mean, you're, you're working yeah, and, harder with each, uh, working right. smarter, I guess. Right. And it treats your body, these, these kinds of movements, it treats your body as one unit instead of individual muscles. 
and uh, and then you limit it to five sets per exercise. You limit the exercises to about five to ten exercises per week, uh, mm. and then you do a maximum of five repetitions. And and it really works. I mean, I, like I said, I've been using it my in the last six weeks. My uh, deadlift has increased by over forty percent, and I've lost two and a half inches around my belly. So very nice, <laughs> so it works Steve. Well. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. So, so short, intense in, in exercises that utilize a lot of muscles at once. Exactly. Instead of being locked into a machine, you know, try, with the with the goal of trying to isolate, for example, your biceps or you know oh, yeah. your forearm extensor muscles or something like that. Those are the vanity muscles. Actually, a little bit of fitness trivia. A lot of people don't know that the biceps muscles actually their primary purpose isn't to uh, contract, uh, you know, to bend your elbow. It's actually to turn your wrist out. You know, if your hand is facing down uh, with your palm down, it's actually to, to turn it so the palm is facing up. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and if you and if you flex while doing that that movement from uh, from supine to pronated, I think it is mm-hmm. right, yep. uh, or pronated to supine. And if you flex while doing that, you can feel it. You, yes. You can really feel what you just said. Exactly. So, but anyway, it's it's a really good program. Like I said, I. I just when I chanced upon that, I was like, you know, golly, I've really been doing something like this for for now. Well, I did it before when I said I was a fitness buff, and then now I've recently started again about two months ago. And this is the program that I use essentially. Uh, and I, I think I'm just going to read this and sort of modify it a little bit more further based on what this guy experienced. Cool, so, very nice, Steve. Found it. Yeah, thanks, I, I thanks a lot. It. Oh, go ahead. Thanks a lot oh, yeah, for sharing anyway, that with us. Later. <laughs> okay, bye, thanks bye. a lot for sharing that. Take care. That's very interesting. And I guess he didn't need any intellectual property. You know, he did it uh, kind of on his own without the government granting him a monopoly on whatever his book was. Good for him. Yep. I was actually talking about patents today with somebody, and um, he brought up that I guess Apple has made has patented that when you slot the slide on the phone, when you slide and it opens up the phone, mm-hmm. Apple has patented that, so phones oh, can't no. use that anymore. Really? I mean, really? Wow. Like something so simple. You know, it just I- makes it all inconvenient for the rest of us, because I'm never going to buy an iPhone. Never. Yeah, no, I'm... And now... I don't get that feature. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Apple was famous for doing a lot of the copyright trolling. Yeah. You know, uh, with a lot of these firms that kind of just find people uh, infin- infringing on patents and then sue them or they buy up patents and then they yeah. sue people for that. And that's like their entire existence. And I mean, I really just view those kind of people as parasites. They inhibit innovation. They're sucking money uh, enabled by the government mm-hmm. off of productive uh, companies that are providing services that people actually want. And uh, it's just very unfortunate. <laughs> so, um, you know, Julia, I did want to talk about this, um, shift gears a little bit and talk about this banking, uh, what is it called? The uh, banking migration or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. where people were pledging to uh, take their money out of the big banks and put them in smaller banks and credit unions around the country. Uh, have an article from alternet.org, which is sort of a lefty kind of progressive news site. And uh, the headline is ABC News, 1 million people move their money, banks hiking fees again. Uh, and Welcome back to Free Talk Live. Thanks for listening to our show tonight. This is Stephanie. And this is Julia. 
Yes, indeed. And we have all kinds of features over at freetalklive.com available for free. We were actually just talking with a caller in the last segment about uh, a bodybuilder who gave away his services for free. And uh, you might say Free Talk Live is kind of similar to that. We've got uh, the cam.freetalklive.com where you can see the studio cam and participate in the chat room during the live shows. And of course, all the archives of old shows are also available on the website, all for free. So Julia, during the last segment, uh, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. So I'm not Mm. sure if this went out over the air, but we had started to get into a discussion about this uh, move your money day, right? Have you heard about this? I hadn't until you brought it up. Okay. Yeah. So I had heard some stuff about it. The first I heard was from a coworker who actually mentioned to me that he was going to be withdrawing his money from Bank of America because Bank of America had announced that they were going to start charging this $5 fee on debit card transactions, I think. Mm-hmm. And so this was pretty outrageous to it a lot of people. It was a monthly fee monthly if fee. you used your debit card at all. And they and the letter that you know went out to announce this said something like, but don't worry, you can still withdraw at Bank of America ATMs or, or locations as if that's convenient in any way for most people. Oh, yeah. At most times. Yeah. You have to go when the bank is open. <laughs> right. And Bank of America does not have good hours. They have regular bank hours. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so many places only have hours during like the nine to five. And yeah. a lot of people work during those times and can't get away from work to do their errands. And so it can be difficult and it's just not convenient. And, you know, when there are so many other options like credit cards and uh, debit cards from other banks who don't charge these kind of fees, I don't know why anybody would put up with that. Yeah, it's out of control. I've heard credit unions are really Nice. I've been reading a lot about them because I have to pick a new bank one of these days. I see. Yeah. Well, credit unions are interesting because, you know, they're supposed to be kind of like a co-op, right? They're right. kind of member owned in in a way. I mean, how do you know exactly how that works? Um, From what I've read, um, basically everyone has kind of a share, I guess. Mm-hmm. But because I think that they're tax free, they're a they're considered a nonprofit. Yes. So they don't pay taxes. So my understanding is that the savings that they... The savings that they have, they're allowed to do a lot with the money, uh-huh. like give higher interest rates on savings accounts and lower interest rates on loans and things like uh. that. And I, I just heard in general that they're much more customer service oriented. They're a much friendlier place to bank. Yeah, that makes total sense. And uh, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of people are realizing that they are not getting very good customer service from the big banks that uh, they may have patronized in the past, especially now that these banks are getting the, you know, the corporate bailouts from the government and uh, people are very feeling very resentful about that. A lot of times I think I just the other day looked at a list of all the companies that the government has given bailouts to mm-hmm. and it is a long list. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them that are kind of obvious and that you you've heard of like bank of America, but there was GM. so yep, GM was the other one. There was so many more on that list, a ton of banks. Yeah. Too. Oh, I, I, you know, once the money starts flowing, everybody yeah. wants a piece of it. So, and you can't blame them. I mean, it makes. I, yeah, I mean, they're pretty much facing up against competition, who is doing everything that they can to just suck from the government fire hose right. of money that's coming out at them. And so, if you don't try to get a piece of it, then you're going to be left behind in the dust. Yeah. So it's very unfortunate that that system is is existing. And you know, and of course, there's the uh, the whole Federal Reserve system where uh, you know banks can basically loan out money that they don't have right and and then it multiplies the amount of of dollars in the economy and so each dollar is kind of worth less that's my very rudimentary understanding.
understanding of this whole thing. Yes. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of just anti-Big Bank sentiment, and I, I kind of understand it. You know, I think a lot of it is for good reason. Yeah. And so there was this idea, I guess, this uh, this thing that trend that people were trying to start, and it was kind of in response to these new fees from Bank of America, but people were encouraging others to take their money out of the big banks during October and put it into smaller banks or credit unions yeah. instead. And, you know, we, we were talking before the show about, uh, like, the don't buy any gas day. Yes, yes. <laughs> that, that that had seemed like a very ineffective example of a protest, you know? Right, because for those who don't know, the don't buy any gas day is, on this day, if we don't buy gas, then we're going to, they're going to lose this stick much it to the money. Gas yeah, companies. they're going to lose this much money, and it's going to be a real hit, as if you wouldn't just buy that gas the day before or the day after. It didn't make a bit of sense if you really thought about it for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and and if you were going to really not buy any gas, I guess, I guess the only way to make that actually effective would be to Start reduce your driving yeah. yeah and that would be much longer term than just a one day thing right so i mean i guess maybe they were trying to just raise awareness or something but yeah it definitely seemed like it wouldn't work because that buying of gas would just be shifted to the day yeah. before you need gas when you need gas if you want to ta- you want the gas companies to take a hit you need to do major changes in your driving habits mm-hmm. but closing an account at bank of america right. or a big or jp morgan chase or something uh, which gave by the way which gave money to the nypd for them to buy extra surveillance equipment uh, they gave it like a donation to the NY Pol- nice. you know, New York Police Department. Yeah. So definitely not on the side of the little guy. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, taking your money out of these big banks and putting it into smaller banks really does seem to be an effective way to kind of make them feel it, you know, make them feel that anti-bank sentiment. Yeah. Uh, and so let me just read this article from alternet.org. Uh, the headline is one million people move their banks, banks hiking, f- uh, sorry, one mil- million people move their money banks hiking fees again and they're kind of covering a a coverage of this from abc news and it says uh, credit unions saw 4.5 billion dollars in new deposits in october according to the report by uh, this national credit union uh i don't know agency or i don't know it's some kind of representative uh, spokesperson for all the credit unions around which is i don't know interesting a meta union or something like that of credit unions and uh uh, of course, uh, the article says, as ABC notes, the banks say that they're going to have to recoup the losses from the customers who have left by charging their existing customers more fees. So that doesn't really yeah. make too much sense. <laughs> so they can lose more? I, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, who's in charge of this company? Yeah, It's almost like they've been getting the bailouts and they've had this government safety net for so long that they don't pick up on normal business clues. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's exactly it. It's like they almost become an arm of the government because they don't they're not required anymore uh, by the fact that they have competition. They're not required to please their customers. So they almost become like unaccountable to their to the people they're supposed to be serving. Right. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I actually used to work at a bank. Mm hmm. And um, I worked at uh, one of the banks that has not Wait, 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 received... Julia. Are you an evil uh, lizard Jew banker? I am an evil. To... <laughs> I am an evil lizard Jew bank. I actually worked for TD Bank, and uh, that's a Canadian bank, and they have not received any bailouts. I was always... They little... must be connected to the New, new yes. World Order. <laughs> yes. And they I'm have totally, better hours, totally too. Totally kidding, by the way, for anybody who might be thinking that we're serious. But, <laughs> but they charged a lot of fees. I had a free account because... Mm. Because my um, 
you know, I worked there, so I got that. But I closed it when I when I left because mm-hmm. uh, the fees are just they're too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes into determining whether a bank is a good bank or yeah. provides good customer service. Right. There's like the hours of operation. Mm-hmm. There are some banks that are even open on weekends, which is cool. I We were open every Friday or Saturday and Sunday. Oh, wow. That's, yep. that's pretty convenient. Sucked for me. <laughs> anyway, if you have banking experiences that you want to talk about, let us know. 855-450-FREE, 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. Welcome back to the show. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Julia. And we thank you for joining us tonight. Free Talk Live is the show where you can call in about anything that's on your mind at 855-450-FREE. 855-450-3733 is our number. We are, well, I'm usually on on Sunday nights, but Julia was uh, kind enough to come in with me tonight because Mark, uh, the normal co-host on Sundays, is on a cruise. Out <laughs> gallivanting around. Yeah, just having a good old time. He's uh, <sighs> taking some time off work. And, uh, you know, he certainly did work overtime back when Ian was in jail a couple of months back. So uh, we hope he's having a good time on the cruise. Maybe he's even listening to the show. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Yep. He's off debating uh, Stefan Molyneux or yes. something like that. So uh, are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com is family owned and members of good stand in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Some prices of, are so low that they can't be mentioned on the air. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick and get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. So, Julia, I had an interesting article that I wanted to discuss with you. I know that uh, you uh, are interested in education, and at one point you were even going to school to become a teacher, right? I was. I was. That was a a dark time in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think we've all been there, you know, at one point or another. And uh, it's interesting because uh, did you encounter a lot of people who were education students who were saying stuff like, well, we just need more money for the public schools? You know, the teachers are underpaid. I, I've definitely heard that. And my, my mom's side of the family, like the whole family is into teaching. So I've certainly heard that before. Mm -hmm. The people that I went to school with, I would say 17 out of 20 were complete morons who I don't even think could form that sentence. So I never heard that in any of my teaching classes. They were like, oh man, it was a group of winners. Yikes. Wow. Well, I mean... You know, there is that old truism. I don't know how true it actually is, but there are people who say, like, those who can't do teach, yeah. right? And those who can't teach, teach gym. That's what my dad used to say. <laughs> I see. Hey, it's not a trivial thing to teach gym. You at least have to have some I know. coordination. My, we had some bad gym teachers, so my dad just used to, I don't know, he thought that was funny, I guess. <laughs> my gym teacher was named Ms. Beavers. <laughs> it was interesting times in that class. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, um, you know, if you have personal stories with this, I would love to hear them because there are always some teachers who uh, 
have stories, you know, about how the school is really bureaucratic and how there are like guidance counselors and other teachers that they just can't get to retire and they just have like a room where they sit and play Minesweeper right. all day. I've heard stories about that. In New York, I know it happens in New York. John Stossel actually talked about it briefly in his, um, that's where what I heard was it? it? The uh, Stupid in America. Yes. And what right. it was was that basically the unions are so deep that they can't fire these teachers who like have sex with students and just really awful things so they put them in a room so that they're away from the kids but they still have to pay them because of the union oh my god so there's an entire building devoted to this (laughs) which is just a bunch of sick perverts like hanging out together all day getting paid to play who knows what Wow. And it really incentivizes people to become perverts or at least do nothings because then they get paid to sit around all day. Seems better than babysitting a bunch of unappreciative brats. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's so sad because the the way that children are treated in school, too, I think really doesn't value them as people. I agree. It definitely just I always felt like I was being treated like a cow or something. (laughs) Well, it's funny because as an adult, like when when I was young, you know, it was like whatever your teacher said was always right. Like they really were an authoritative figure and Mm -hmm. like you really you were expected to respect them. And now that I'm an adult and I know that. There's a variety of adults out there, and some of them are wonderful and have the best intentions and deserve my respect, and some of them don't. It's very interesting to me that people could so blindly just say, like, well, they're your teacher, so listen to them. You know, and and if you were a kid and you had, like, an answer or an opinion that a teacher didn't like, they would say, you know, well, I'm the teacher, and I know, and this is the way you have to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's sick. Almost like the kid on the plane with the headphones, just because I said so, right? Yeah. You know, when I think back to the best teachers that I've had in my life, the best teachers had some things in common, you know, and one of them was uh, treating the students like people, like yeah. adults, basically, who were competent and, and helping them, uh, you know, be have confidence in their own right. abilities and self-efficacy. Well, if you want a child to grow up into an adult with self-confidence, treat them like one. If you treat them like a child their whole life which I think is very common with teenagers especially because mm. teenagers are becoming adults. They're yes. maturing. But mentally, they are so far behind. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, most 24-year-olds, I would say right now, the ones that go to college and get out can barely take care of themselves. Their parents are subsidizing them still in some way. Yeah. So it's like we really need to get to the root of why we have we have separated the physical maturity and the mental maturity by so much. Yes. And, you know, I really don't mean to sound like one of those traditional conservatives that's like, well, back in the golden age in the 1950s, you could get a job when you were six, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to sound like there's some arbitrary point in the past and it was the glory days and when kids were treated like adults when they actually became adults. But, you know... There is something to it when children are treated like children uh, for longer and longer. They learn to be children. They don't learn to be adults. You know, they become dependent on adults and they're taught not to take care of themselves. They're taught not to question authority and just to kind of go along with whatever the parental figure happens to be telling them to do. I agree. Um, And, you know, of course, this is very convenient for the state who loves to control people and would love it if there were a a sea of child adults walking around who would just obediently... Uh, pay their taxes or else they would be sent to their room. You know? I I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, and, and I certainly would not classify myself as one. And I don't think that this is everybody involved, and maybe it's even unintentional, but this is certainly uh, one of the reasons why public school exists. 
Yeah. I mean, if you look at the writings of some of the people, uh, you know, John Dewey and uh, what were some of the other ones? Uh, Francis Bellamy. Yeah. Uh, the guy who wrote the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, and uh, Horace Mann, I think. No, maybe that's wrong. But, you know, there are the, all these historical figures who wrote about why there should be a public education system. And basically, uh, their writings were never intended to be read by the general public because they were saying stuff like, basically, there should be an elite class who's actually the thinkers. Right. And then there should be like the, the cogs in the system class which is everybody else, and they should be molded essentially into obedient people who would be ready to work in factories and things like that. Yeah. Who would just obey and do what they were told. Well, they have and accomplished. It's yes, yeah. it's working It's working well. out well for them. So, yeah, I mean, we say that uh, on the show often that the government doesn't do many things well or right, but this seems to be one of the things that they're, they are doing right is turning people into very obedient citizens, you know, and uh, and really the schools have become way more militarized than they ever were. Definitely. As time has gone on. I mean, even from I was in school, high school 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. even the difference today, like I read some of these stories about these lockdowns where they've been drug dogs in. Oh, I mean, yeah. that kind of stuff. Metal detectors in I the was, schools. No, we had cameras mm-hmm. and that and it was a brand new school that had just been built. So, yep. So that was just starting to come out with the cameras in the school. And we did have, you know, the um, the ISS, the in-school suspension or whatever, where they make yeah. you sit in a room. They had this creepy area in this new school uh, in the office of these little rooms that were like, if you got this ISS or you were bad, you had to sit in them. And they were like the teeniest little cells. I mean, like as Ew. big as a desk could fit in with nothing on the walls. And you were locked in there. Oh. And it was like so creepy. That reminds me of solitary confinement, yes. basically. You know, you, you have to go to the day prison every day, right? Because right. you have no choice about whether you'd like to be there. So a lot of people call it day prison, government school. They look similar. They bust them in the same way. Yeah. And then you can get solitary confinement if you're bad, so-called. <laughs> so the parallels are, are striking and unbelievable. And, you know, now there are more police in the schools all the time. There are military recruiters that go to the high schools and That's try to... disturbing to Yes. Me. Yeah. And there are often these, you know, counter-recruitment organizations who try to get kids to think about what it means to right. sign your life away for eight years and more. Yeah, and, we were just talking and they're not about, allowed to go into the schools. Yeah, we were just talking about mental maturity, and I would say that uh, 17-year-olds are definitely not mature enough to handle a, like the consequences mm-hmm. of a decision like that. Absolutely. This is Free Talk Live. If you have thoughts on anything we've been discussing, feel free to call us 855-450-FREE. More coming up about teachers when we return. Talk Live. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Julia. And we thank you for joining us. Our number is 855-450-FREE. Please call us and weigh in with your thoughts. We've been talking about teachers, education, government schools. We must have said something that riled somebody up. Come on, I want to hear about your stories with government schools, uh, whether you like them or didn't like them. Uh, it's been a fascinating discussion so far, and I do promise you we will get into some of these articles that I had planned. One is about a study that says public school teachers are not underpaid, as almost everyone likes to say, especially the teachers' unions. Right. And another one is about a group of public school teachers that took some initiative 
and got together and wrote their own textbooks. I love this one. Saved the district a lot of money, but uh, apparently also got in trouble for it. So we'll find out what those are about in a minute. But do need to let you know about, uh, hey, there's a 50 caliber air rifle out there that can bring down a deer. It's called the Dragon Claw, and it's pretty cool. And uh, Mark has used it a lot over the past couple of weeks. I know that he has one at his home and he's been uh, playing with it, I guess, playing with his gun. <laughs> it's a powerful rifle, but it's not a firearm. You can buy it online and have it shipped directly to you with no trouble from the government at pyramidair.com. That's P-Y-R-A-M-I-D. I'm sorry, P-Y-R-A-M-Y-D air.com. Uh, they are the purveyors of this rifle. They sell small bore and big bore air guns suitable for medium and large game. And their experts can help you find the best air gun for your needs right over the phone. You can get 10% off or free shipping, whichever is more, with coupon code FTL11. So please go now and view the amazing Dragon Claw at airgun.freetalklive.com and peruse the site, see the amazing air guns and accessories they have there at airgun.freetalklive.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. I am getting a little over a little bit of a cold, Julia. So yeah. If you bear me with too. me. Yeah. Everybody's sick lately. It's that change of seasons, I mm. guess. Uh, the time when everybody likes to, well, not likes to, but everybody seems to yeah. be susceptible to little germs. So <laughs> I hope our listeners do bear with me too. And of course, if you have anything to share with us, 855-450-FREE is the number. I want to read this study from uh, Reason Magazine, which is a kind of a libertarian-ish, uh, yeah. a little more conservative-leaning or right-leaning, I guess, if those terms mean anything to you. Um, and this this is a study that they are covering on their blog, uh, Reason Magazine. And the headline is, Study Says Public School Teachers Are Not Underpaid. Despite the prevailing belief that public school teachers are underpaid, people who go into teaching actually make more money than they would in the private sector, according to a new study from the Heritage Foundation's Jason Richwine and American Enterprise Institute, Andrew Biggs. So these are conservative think tanks that are doing this study. So take it with a grain of salt and uh, take it for what it's worth. But I have to say, um, we'll get into the, the numbers here in a minute, but I've heard multiple statistics over the past couple of years that say anyone who works for the government at any level tends to be overpaid in terms of if you compare them to someone doing the same job in the private sector. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it totally makes sense because the Police government... Police officers and security guards. Mm-hmm. Trying yeah. to think of other... Well, even like a, a like a town clerk versus something like a... Like a secretary or a receptionist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was trying to think it's hard to think about a comparison in a lot of government jobs because so many of them are created and like yes. they really wouldn't be a necessary service. Exactly. So it's it's hard to like the housing bureaucrats, I guess you could you could compare with like a charity, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure that they get paid way more than any charity would mm -hmm. would pay their um, like managers or whatever you would call them. Yeah. I guess there are social workers that yeah. a lot of social workers um, work for private organizations, but like their whole job is to get people government welfare. You know what I mean? To get people hooked up with welfare. So I don't know if what that counts yeah. for. Um, you know, they they'll tell you about all kinds of different programs and things like that. Um, you know, there what what are some other jobs? Yeah, you're right, Julia. I mean, when I think of the professions that are basically created by the government, the first thing I think of is lawyers, right? There yeah. are way more lawyers than would be needed for dispute <laughs> resolution needs in an in a free society. Right. Uh, do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. I think that most people would agree with that. I could be wrong, but 
Yeah. Well, if you disagree, 855-450-FREE is our number, 855-450-3733. I was going to say that it seems like um, most people seem to think that uh, we're a little too Sue happy as a as a country. Yeah. I, I wonder what the roots of that are. I think a lot of it is that people are taught, especially in government schools, as we've been discussing before, not to deal with conflicts directly. They are taught to go to the teacher, go tattle, you know, go to the authority figure. And when they're adults, it translates to uh, call the cops. Yeah. Uh, a, a quick story. Um, when I first moved to New Hampshire, I had an apartment for about a year before I eventually moved on to a more permanent uh, style of housing. And I, I remember as I was moving out of my uh, apartment and getting into uh, getting my car packed up, I basically parked my car in the apartment complex where I was living and was kind of going back and forth with boxes uh, because I couldn't really park very close to my apartment. I had to kind of go up the stairs and then run around. And so I had left my car parked in a place where you're not usually supposed to park with flashers on. And I was probably gone for like less than five minutes and a cop car pulled up and was standing near my car and as I came out with a box. And so it, when it became clear that the cop was standing next to my car, I said, you know, what's what's going on? Is everything okay here? And the cop said, well, we got a complaint from one of your neighbors saying that you parked your car here. <laughs> and, it couldn't have just come outside and ask. Yeah. It would take a few, it would, I, I just am st- stupefied when i hear stuff like this it's so sad yeah it's i i i mean it, granted it was an apartment complex so i didn't know all of the neighbors but i think the guy that called the police i had seen him around before and it was like you really am i that intimidating you couldn't have just come up and asked me and and it wasn't like my car was blocking someone else's car yeah. it was just in a place where people don't normally park and I had the flashers on and everything. Right. So. Well, if you had the flashers on, I feel like he could probably assume that you're going to be back in a minute. And he could have, if it bothered him that much, he could have just waited for yeah. you to come back and said, I don't know what you'd say. I don't like that your car is parked here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, to the cop's credit, he left me alone once yeah. I told him what was going on. But uh, it was just the the attitude, the mentality that so many people seem to have when they have an issue with their neighbor. They'll either talk to another neighbor and start gossip or they'll call the police and i think that needs to change yeah i think in general the government is very good at pinning uh groups uh interest groups against each other yeah you know so there are all these all these causes right and it's it's democrats versus republicans and it's it's uh pro-life versus pro-choice and just in general there's all of these everybody with a conflicting viewpoint basically they've they've sort of created this distaste for each other and it i think it's just kind of sad in general people just they have a lot of, um, you know, they don't just don't like things that are different or things that that go against what what they believe, and and because and they of seem that, to feel this allegiance to arbitrary groups that they yeah. have no control over being in. Like, well, I happen to be born in New Hampshire, so I'm a New Hampshirean, and yeah. I'm an American, I'm a woman, I'm a you know white person or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's it's really just very silly. And you know, we were talking about the sort of litigious society, but uh, I I did want to get into this. Uh, teacher article uh that we started to read you know we were, we started talking about the litigiousness because we were talking about like jobs that would not probably exist yeah if the government weren't so big but here, here's what the takeaway finding was from this study that says that teachers are not underpaid it says workers who switch from non-teaching jobs to teaching jobs receive a wage increase of roughly nine percent 
So if you become a teacher from not being one before, you get a raise of 9%. Teachers who change to non-teaching jobs, on the other hand, see their wages decrease by roughly 3%. This is the opposite of what one would expect if teachers were underpaid. So I don't know. I don't really completely wrap my head around that. Maybe if I heard it one more time, I would. But uh, they're basically saying that this shows that teachers are not underpaid. And then it says, and that's just wages. When you include benefits, the gap is wider. Public school teacher salaries are comparable to those paid to similar, similarly skilled private sector workers, but more that more generous fringe benefits for public school teachers, including greater job security, uh, make total compensation 52% greater than fair market levels, equivalent to more than $120 billion overcharged to taxpayers each year. So... Because teachers' salaries are bloated and they get extra benefits. Well, and they get, they get first of all, they get amazing benefits. You mm-hmm. know, the government benefits packages are very nice. They get pensions, which basically says that you get a full salary once you've been a teacher for, once you've been any government worker for, you know, 20 years or whatever it is. I think it's 20 years in most places. Yeah. And on top of that, you're only working 200 days out of the year. Yeah, you get every weekend off and you get every summer off. <laughs> they do have to plan their curriculum, but once yes. they do that for one year, it's a lot less work the next year. Right, and it's it's a lot of it's planned out for them. Like they don't have that much yes. freedom in what they can teach. Exactly. This is Free Talk Live. Hour three is coming up. I want to hear your thoughts about teachers, government schools, or anything else that's on your mind. Call us at eight five five four fifty free. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. When the power goes out for any length of time, you've got problems, starting with food that's going bad, even in the freezer. No communications, living by candlelight or flashlight, it's a bad place to be. The solar flare cycle is heating up and has already done damage to the grid. NASA and NOAA tell us that next year and in 2013, it will take down large sections of the grid for days or weeks at a time. Hurricanes and floods also cut power for several days or weeks. You can protect yourself now. The SG-1 solar generator by Sound Wisdom produces 5,000 watts of household current, comes with 230 amp hours of battery, 220 watt solar panels, and a built-in battery maintainer desulfator. This is the only portable system you can add as many batteries or solar panels as you like. It will also convert power from windmills, water wheels, DC welders, or gas generators, any source of 12-volt DC power. See it now at freetalklivesolar.com. Technicians are standing by now to answer your questions even during the Sunday night show. FreeTalkLiveSolar.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're so glad you've joined us tonight for the show. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Julia. And we are kicking off hour three of Free Talk Live. Lots of cool features over at Free Talk Live's website. And uh, by the way, we do a live show every day of the week, seven days a week from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And always found uh, live streams and archives over at freetalklive.com. If you like what we do and you want to help promote the show, go to promote.freetalklive.com where you'll find all kinds of different ways to promote the show. Totally free, like uh, web banners, all kinds of vector scalable graphics and stuff you can use to make your own uh, things to promote the show. So, uh, Julia, we've been talking a lot tonight about uh, government schools 
teachers, our own experiences at government schools, right. most of them not so good. <laughs> and we've had a couple of callers who, who want to tell us their experiences, perhaps. Let's bring on Nick in Illinois. Nick, are you with us? Hi. Hi. What's on your mind hey. tonight? Well, um, going against the grain a bit, I had largely positive experiences in high school. Oh, I'm I glad to a, hear that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had great teachers who treated us like adults. You know, we didn't have to raise our hands to go to the bathroom. But there were still some uh, rules that didn't make sense. But the teachers kind of poked fun at them alongside us and sympathized with us. Like, we had this... Uh, I remember during my time there, there was an issue about uh, necklines and bare shoulders for girls. You know, and, I have a very similar story on that, but I'll let you go ahead, Nick, and tell yours first. Okay. And uh, also, like, um, if you had a study hall, you didn't have to actually go to the study hall, and I never, ever did. I don't think I, I think I sat in there like once, and then the rest of the year, I just used it as like an extended lunch break. Mm. I would uh, I would go get some food, and then I would go home because I would sometimes have a study hall right next to my lunch break. Mm. And uh, but but I might have been the last of a breed. It was a really relaxed atmosphere there. But I went back to visit there a couple of years later, and there were cameras in the in the hallways everywhere. Yep, it's kind of scary. And if you don't mind me asking, when you know what was the time frame that you were going to high school there? I graduated in two thousand four. Okay. Yeah. So and so this was actually you know uh, most of my high school career was in the post nine eleven world, and it was still pretty relaxed, which is mm-hmm. kind of surprising. Yeah, uh, I think, well, I remember 9-11 happened during my senior year of high school, and I still remember I was just coming out of gym class, and then an announcement came over the PA system saying that some planes had flown into the World Trade Center towers in New York City, and, you know, if you thought that you might have family members there or something, you should go to the guidance counselor immediately, and that they would keep us updated, and I remember this happening, and so... My last year of high school was kind of in the post 9-11 stuff, and it, I don't think it had had uh, quite as much time to become really bad, but we still had police officers roaming around the schools. I would say Columbine was a big turning point in security at schools. Like, I, yeah. Was that 98, I want to say? Uh, 96, maybe? Sometime around there. I know. Yeah. I remember that's when they came out with the zero tolerance school policies. Yes. So that was a big turning point, and then 9-11. Mm-hmm. And there would be like second graders getting in trouble for drawing pictures of guns and things like that. I remember uh, one time a five-year-old got um, in trouble for having a butter knife in her lunchbox. Yes, I remember that too. And I worked with this woman who was so conservative and she was like, well, you know, you don't under, you don't know what she would use the knife for. Really? The butter (laughs) knife? To put some butter on some toast. Ooh. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. You know, the plastic ones just don't cut it. <laughs> no, this honest. wasn't actually, my understanding was it wasn't even a full butter knife. It was one of those like butter spatulas. So like oh you gosh. really could so not there was do no damage yeah, even... with this at all. Wow. Not even have a blade. It's just like a little <sighs> scoop. <laughs> yeah. You know, Nick, you mentioned something about the necklines uh, for girls or something like that in your school. And uh, I wanted to relate a quick story that I always think of when I think of like gender double standards. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I, I had a very authoritarian um, principal. And I remember one day she came, it, it was really hot. It was like the end of school and everybody was about to get out for the summer. And it was just really warm in those classrooms. And they had, you know, they wouldn't open the windows. They had no AC and, uh, people would would have to go to school, but it was just very uncomfortable. And so some of the girls started to wear um, sleeveless shirts or tank tops. And 
the principal one day came up to a group of girls who were kind of like, you know, lower socioeconomic status, I guess you could say. They were kind of just a group of girls. They were like a little more rebellious and I was hanging out with them. And she said, you know, you girls really need to stop wearing those tank tops. You cannot wear those to school anymore. And we were just basically like, well, why? What's the problem? Because some of the boys were wearing sleeveless shirts too. Yeah. They, their shirts had, didn't have sleeves either. And it was just hot, you know, it, um, we weren't trying to cause trouble. It was just warm. And so she, she says, well, you know, if you girls keep wearing those tank tops to class, it'll be chaos in the classroom because the boys won't be able to concentrate on their work. And okay. it was just ridiculous. I mean, and there was nothing we could do about it. Yeah. You know, it was like she she imposed this ridiculous double standard. And, and of course, you know, wasn't claiming that the girls were going to go crazy if they saw some shoulders. But of course, the boys would go crazy and wouldn't be able to control themselves. And so somehow that was our fault and we should suffer in the heat because they couldn't control themselves. So <laughs> that story and uh, also, uh, you know, I associate high school with um, my high school kind of became famous because they instituted this policy that said if a student smelled like smoke, uh, they could be suspended. Uh, and all that had to happen was a teacher had to say the student smelled like smoke. And so there were a lot of problems with this policy, as you can imagine, you know, if their parents smoked, but the student didn't yeah. smoke, they could get in trouble for that. Or if they were riding in the, a car with somebody who smoked on the way to school, but they weren't necessarily smoking themselves, they could get in trouble. What about B.O.? Like if you smell like B.O.? Because I feel, <laughs> right? Yeah, there were a lot of kids who smelled like B.O. I know. <laughs> I might interrupt. Sure. In the interest of time, uh, the last thing I wanted to say is that I don't think that going to authority figures is necessarily a bad idea because I think that uh, if you have a problem with someone and you're not sure you can handle it, there's nothing wrong with seeking out a mediator. As yes. long as, you know, that mediator is not going to be even worse. And I think it's just the problem that, that the authority figures people frequently go to are not very good mediators. I agree with you, Nick. And when I think of a mediator, I actually don't think of it as an authority figure at all. I think of it as someone who's kind of on equal footing and is like kind of working with you to help you resolve the conflict. You know, maybe an mm -hmm. arbitrator would be more of an authority figure because you're bound to whatever they decide. But for a mediator, it's just kind of like a professional to help you with a conflict resolution. Any mm -hmm. other any other final thoughts, Nick? Um, no, that's it for tonight. All right. Thanks for the call. Do always like hearing people's government school stories. And I'm glad Nick had a positive experience. There certainly are some schools where uh, where they're better than others, no doubt. I would uh, agree. And especially when you go back further in time, you know, I think when when things weren't becoming as police statish as they are today, you know, I think that younger younger people or younger students yeah. are less likely to have good experiences with their government schools. Well, and I also would just like to point out that because some people have good, and I'm not saying that Nick said this, but because mm -hmm. some people have good um, experiences at public school, that that's an argument for them. Mm -hmm. Because what we could have in the private, private sector could be so much better. I mean, there's just so much potential for a lot of choices. Yep. I mean, kids are amazingly resilient and they will adapt to a lot of different situations uh, and some of them quite difficult, you know. So uh, just because kids are very adaptable and they, they can handle a lot of what you throw at them doesn't mean that uh, a situation where people are forced to be together and forced to, you know, go somewhere at seven o'clock in the morning and learn things they don't want to learn is ideal. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I think that's what I wanted to say about government schools. Uh, if you have thoughts, please call us uh, 855-450-FREE or 855-450-3733. Uh, I think that was it for the article that we were reading about teachers uh, being underpaid. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that, Julia? I mean, you said your whole family is uh, My teachers. whole family is teachers. And actually, you know, some of them have done very well for themselves. They, they've got... Now, I, I have an aunt who... She's been a principal. She's been an assistant principal. She's been a teacher, all different grades. She's really been heavily involved in this school system. And, I mean, she was definitely considered, like, one of the best teachers. All of my friends who had her as a teacher said she was awesome. She was innovative. And and she does very well for herself as a teacher. You know, she's been there long enough. She's climbed the ladder, so to speak. And, uh-huh. and she is not, I mean, she does well. Yep. More coming up. We're going to talk about the teachers who got together and wrote their own textbooks. Saving their school district money. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Julia. And we do thank you for joining us tonight. This is the show where you can take control of the airwaves. Call and bring up whatever's on your mind at 855-450-FREE, 855-450-3733. We have been talking about education so far tonight, uh, along with some other topics, you know, government banning certain foods and even country music. Uh, But you're welcome to change the subject at any time. I do want to let you know about something pretty cool. It's called Vaporsmiths. Uh, They are a... A better or a harm-reducing, healthier alternative to smoking cigarettes. Uh, It's basically a vaporizer that allows you to uh, inhale uh, water vapor instead of smoke and get uh, nicotine or some flavor delivery uh, to your uh, mouth, lungs. I don't know. (laughs) What's the point to taste it? This isn't sounding too appealing, but... uh, if if that doesn't sound great, my description, uh, you can know that a pack a day smoker will save about one hundred twenty dollars a month, and uh, it tastes better, and it makes you smell better, and you'll save money. So head over to vaporsmiths dot com, or call eight five five two get vapor. That's eight five five two get vapor, and you can save uh, you can save a lot of money by using coupon code FTL. You get free shipping on orders over $60 and a free starter kit with the purchase of 40 cardamizers, and that'll put you over the limit to get free shipping as well. So vaporsmiths.com or call 855-2-GET-VAPOR. All right, Julia, we're going to go to another call. This is completely unrelated to what we've been discussing tonight, but that's okay because it's Free Talk Live. We're going to bring on Steve in St. Louis. He wants to talk about abortion. Steve, are you with us? I am with you. Hello. What's on your mind tonight? So I had a question for the two of you. Sure. If you were to uh, have sexual relations with a man and you were impregnated, mm-hmm. would it be, if you, if you decided to uh, abort that fetus or that, um, you know, the two cells that, the three or four cells that, were created by that sperm, would you give that man the opportunity to be involved in that decision? Uh, Okay, this sounds like kind of a loaded question, and uh, (laughs) I'm kind of wondering if you're going somewhere that's trying to shame us in some way. 
So I'm a little bit uh, on the defensive about your question, Steve, but uh, Julia looks like... Well, I have no shame in this at all, All and I would absolutely not for the sole reason that I'm the one who has to deal with the pregnant side effects. I'm the one who has... like, Which can be very significant. Which can be significant, and personally, that's what turns me off about children the most. I swear if I ever change my mind that I do not want to have, or that I want to have kids, because I have firmly just not wanted kids my entire life Mm -hmm. if i ever changed my mind i would adopt 100 percent. i am so personally anti giving birth i just don't want anything to do with it and i'm not ashamed of that at all and some women have that opinion and it's totally their i mean it's it's their body that's their i don't want any of that you know i don't i just don't like it yeah, I can completely understand. And it's not just the, the throwing up every morning. It's not just the, uh, stretching the stretch marks and all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, it's it's also that, you know, carrying a baby to term is actually uh, not that this justifies abortion or anything, but it is more, more risky than having an abortion. Uh, a woman who carries a baby to term has, I think, I, I believe I've read about eight times greater risk of death from any cause, you know, because things can still go wrong. Uh, during during childbirth in the U.S., it's not perfect. It has about an eight eight times okay. greater risk of death uh, than a woman who was not pregnant. Um, so so there's Julia's answer. Steve, did you want to comment? Yes. Um, isn't it though? Like you you wouldn't have been impregnated had you not made the decision to have sexual relations with a man. Uh, just to be clear, you I made that decision. Just to be clear, I, I do take birth control. I I take uh not getting pregnant very seriously. Yes. And so do I. So I do I'm not just out willy nilly um having sex with people without being protected and all this stuff. So uh, the odds of me getting pregnant are very slim because I have I am in full control and yes. um I personally find this a great reason to have sex with women. <laughs> <laughs> but I also take getting not getting pregnant very seriously, Steve. I mean, I always have throughout well, my entire life. And so I hope to never, ever be in a position where I would have to make a decision like that. However, there are some people who become pregnant through non-consensual sex. Yeah. You know, they are raped or it's the victim of, you know, incest with their family or Gosh. something like that. And so it's not always a, an issue of responsibility. Yeah. Or individuals who are just careless about uh, birth control, who are yes. sexually active and are careless about birth control. I, and then, well, and it takes two to be careless about birth control. Right. I will say that as well. You know, I read um, there's some statistics from, I think it's actually from the government, from the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. But uh, recently there were numbers published. If you look at all pregnancies, half of all pregnancies are unplanned. Yeah. And if you look at the unplanned pregnancies, about 40% of those were using no form of contraception at all. It's really sad. I, I um I, I don't really look very highly on people who I can understand being young because in a lot of cases when you're young, you don't know any better, you weren't provided any sort of education. So yes. I can understand making mistakes. I do not understand women in their 20s accidentally getting pregnant because they weren't on birth control. Mm -hmm. I always say, you know, it's 2011. Birth control is 
easily accessible. Yes. It is cheap. There are tons of options out there. And if you aren't protecting yourself and you're not ready and wanting to have a child, you're crazy. I'm sorry. And you're doing a disservice to your child and you're doing a disservice. I mean, it's just all, it just really breaks my heart. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll give you a hypothetical. Okay. Let's say that a woman and a man both took all the precautions they could for birth control. Mm-hmm. They they weren't planning on having a child, but then a child was, uh, she was impregnated. Okay. Um, is, it, is it then okay to to kill that uh, the you know two or four or eight cells that have already been created? Is that is that a life form or is that is you that know, a human life? I feel like this is a decision that something? would only be appropriate to make for myself and not for anyone else. I wouldn't want to use the government to ban it because we all know what happens when we use the government to ban it. They still go on. They're just much more dangerous and much more risky to the women. And I think that the answer to this problem is education and birth control, you know, contraception. Uh, it's not focusing, you know, abortion is something that, it's between a rock and a hard place and it's what happens when there's poor planning you know at yeah. the early stages of this problem you know what i mean also to answer his question i don't have sex like would want a child like everybody i've ever had sex with has shared my feelings for that you know what i mean if i'm in a relationship with somebody uh, that's a subject i think comes up pretty quickly do you want children in the future and i don't i feel more comfortable having sex with somebody who feels the same way as Absolutely. Me. And, uh, you know, if, if there is a difference on that, that Steve, do you have more? We can hold you over. Uh, just one little quick thing. I All know right. we're coming up on our break. Um, okay, hold the line, Steve. We're going to bring back Steve when we return. He wants to talk more about birth control, pregnancy, abortion. It's a fascinating topic. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. Call us with your thoughts. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back to the show, and we do thank you for tuning in. I am Stephanie. And I'm Julia. And we're glad to be with you tonight. You can call in with your thoughts at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We're going to bring Steve back on in a moment. We were talking, having a discussion in the last segment about birth control, abortion, responsibility, sexual ethics, that kind of thing. But do need to let you know the holidays are just around the corner. This season, you should consider the greatest gift you can give your family and friends, peace of mind. We always talk about destabling uh, excuse me, destabilizing events around the world, unemployment, inflation, food shortages, natural disasters, just to name a few. Well, you can get prepared, protect your family. Don't delay. Uh, wisefoodstorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna and savory stroganoff that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. You prepare them in just minutes by just adding water. Visit wisefoodstorage.com or call 855-FOODWISE today to request a free entree sample. Ooh, you can get a free meal. That's pretty cool. And for a limited time during the holidays, enter promo code FTL to get no-cost shipping and 10% off any order. That's wisefoodstorage.com or call 855-FOODWISE. Use promo code FTL for a free sample, free shipping, and 10% off any order. Peace of mind, the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love. All right, let's go back to Steve. He had one more thing he wanted to discuss with us. Steve! Yes. Hi. So what? tell us what was on your mind. 
Well, you didn't really answer the question. And the question, uh, just if, to recap, was what? The question being, if, there, if, if both parties are being responsible and using birth control and, uh, and a baby is born, I don't understand why men are cut out of the decision about whether or not that baby should be carried to term. Well, uh, we were actually talking about this a little bit on the break, so I'll share my views with you. Um, I 100% stand by my statement that if I am the one that has to uh, go through the pregnancy symptoms, which I really do not want, that I'm, I unfortunately have the say in it, uh, I do believe that it's, it is unfair that, you know what I mean, if, it, if a woman gets pregnant and she wants to get rid of it, it's totally her choice. And if a woman gets pregnant and she wants to keep it, you know, the male has no say. The male kind of has to go along with whatever the woman wants. So I think that... That's my you know, if, child. Excuse hold that's, on. Well, that's my child it's, that you're getting rid of. It's, it's a child. It's, it's actually it's, our child. It's a fetus that was conceived by well, two people. Our, yeah, it's our child, right, but it's partially mine. It's a two-way street. I have a I'm solution saying. for you. Have sex with people who feel the same way. Or don't have sex. There are alternative sex acts well, that you can do uh, besides to, to just to finish vaginal my point, intercourse. What I was going to say is, I do believe that there should be, you know, like some sort of a male abortion, or, or you know what I mean, where like a male, if a male decides he doesn't want to keep the child, that he should be able to like legally contract. You know what I mean? Separate himself from the the child's life. I I don't think that it should be just the woman who decides. But if I'm if I have to go through the symptoms of being pregnant, I don't I don't care what you think and i'm sorry if that seems cruel but that's why we're not having sex <laughs> well yeah i mean i okay, definitely well i guess we won't sorry <laughs> <laughs> well julia what were you saying about the male abortion well i mean this is just a, like a it's not something i spent a lot of time thinking but i do think that it is unfair that you know if a woman wants to get rid of a child the male has no say and if a woman wants to keep the child the male has no say which i gotta say mm-hmm. i i think that's kind of scary being a man like you really men should be in control of birth control like well because especially when they're legally liable oftentimes for child well, support and things that's, like that's that that's scary to me being a guy like i would be very frightened as a teenage boy to impregnate somebody because it's totally their choice yeah so i i was well, yours too well, once that no, sperm I leaves your body, too. you know, you can't really control yeah. what happens to it. And, you know, there have been a lot of cases where women have, uh, you know, there have been like a woman who would, will say that she's taking birth control, but either forgets to take a pill or um, isn't really taking the pills yeah. and is lying about it and conceives a baby. And then maybe the father doesn't want that baby. Right. I think that a man should be able to legally separate you know what I mean? Like before the child is born, say, OK, I want the male abortion or whatever. Like, I don't I didn't want this child. I because I, I think that there's only one person who's responsible for whether or not you have a child. And it's you. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that it's a group decision. Well, I, I think you need good. to be responsible for you. And, you the, you know, everything we've talked about tonight with birth control, with having sex with people who feel the same way with you, all of these things. But I, I think that male should uh be able to opt out if they want, just yeah. like the woman could. Yeah. Okay, well, that's reasonable, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I try to be somewhat to reasonable. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a difficult situation. It you know, really is, Steve. It's been and... going on for a long time and mm-hmm. this argument. But, 
I had one other thing to say sure. about country music. Oh, <laughs> lay it on us. <laughs> <laughs> um, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Is that a female? Uh, T-Swift. Lady? T-Swift. Yeah, it is a female. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She's from Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And she she is a country music artist. Um, it's not exactly the old kind of country like you're used to or what you were talking about earlier, like, you know, wave the flag and mm-hmm. you know, pop that, country, that kind of <laughs> right. Pop country. Right. It's more of a, you know, it's kind of a mixture of genres, mm-hmm. uh, country music mixed with some other genres. And I, I really like her. I mean, she, I, I like it. Cool. It's good country music. Great. Well, maybe some of our listeners would enjoy it too. And Steve, anything else on your mind yeah, tonight? <laughs> You know, maybe open your mind up a little bit musically, you know, you kind of mix different genres together and good. All right. Well, I'm up for that. Thanks a lot for the call, Steve. Really appreciate your thoughts. I have to say that I thought that Steve was very respectful and very nice. And often when people call about this sort of subject, it can get really emotional. And I appreciated his the way that his demeanor. So I did, too. And I, I still think that. You know, I really liked what you said, Julia, that acknowledging that it's really not fair that the 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 baby has to be in the woman. And so, you know, she's kind of has this extra responsibility and this extra element of choice about carrying the pregnancy to term. Right. Um, but, you know, I still think uh, and I agree with you, but I still think that uh, the solution to this problem, just can't say it enough, really lies in education and people making informed choices about their sex lives and reproductive lives before they ever have sex, you know? I agree 100%. Yeah. I would also like to add that, you know, in a society where we had less government, mm-hmm. I think that people in general would be more responsible for their actions because right now there's this safety net that's always there, you know? And it's like, if uh, you have yes. a baby, you know, you decide to keep it and you can't really take care of it. You know, the government's going to help you. They're going to be there to take care of you. And, and people just They're also going to want to tell you how to take care yes, of it. Yes, yeah. they are. But people just in general are not necessarily as personally responsible. They don't think about consequences as much in so many areas of our lives. Right. As And I just think in a society where government wasn't as big and as it was that we would just all be much better off, all be much more responsible and and think about our, our choices and our actions. Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, it's, it's always so hard to strike this balance because you don't want to appear uncompassionate. Like you want to convey that you care about people who really actually need help. Right. But at the same time, there are so many people who abuse the welfare system. And I just, I, I think back again to the story that I heard on the school sucks podcast from Brett. And he was saying that he was basically a, a liberal a, a person who believed that everybody who needed welfare, you know, could get it from the government and that this was a good thing. And it was great that there was this safety net and it wasn't by and large was not abused. And then uh, he was working in a convenience store or something at one time. And he would see people come in, cash their welfare checks and buy cigarettes and beer. Yep. And then he heard a woman who was on welfare saying something like, well, I'm just going to keep on having kids until the state buys me a house. Yeah. And that was what changed his mind about state welfare. Of course, still believe in private charities, you know. Yeah. They're a little bit more discerning and uh, help cut down on the abuse. It's Free Talk Live. Still time for your calls if you make them at 855-450-FREE. we got some calls on the line. More coming up. 
Are you a cigarette smoker? I was too for many years. You know that crap's going to kill you, right? There's a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Vaporsmiths.com. A pack a day smoker will save $120 a month and it tastes better. No more ashtray mouth. No smell. No secondhand smoke. You could use it just about anywhere. Free shipping on orders over $60 and a free starter kit with the purchase of 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Call 855 to get vapor or go to vaporsmiths.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are kicking off the last segment of the program with Stephanie and Julia. And of course, there's still time for your calls at 855 450 free, 855 450 3733. One last time, we've got a call on the line. I'm going to jump right into it. We've got Michael in North Carolina. He wants to talk about PTSD. What's up, Michael? Hey, how's it going? Um, you know, I hear a lot of stuff about uh, a lot of. Uh, civilians and personnel uh, that don't really understand the concept about PTSD. They think these, uh, you know, military guys, uh, their main PTSD obviously comes from firefights and, you know, living in conditions that they live in and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And what I hope to see here is kind of change the persona here. Um, I've made four combat deployments. I've been in the Marine Corps for eight years. My uh, job is uh, a squad leader. I'm a rifleman and uh, infantry platoon. Okay. And basically where the PTSD comes from, is uh, every day, you know, these 18, 19, 20-year-old kids they get up and they know that they have to leave friendly lines and they could die. And the, where it comes from, it builds up is the uh, anticipation of either getting shot and what we're fighting now is uh, IEDs everywhere. Um, you know, and these pressure plates and, you know, these guys that are in the third-world country are really... Uh, uh, undervalued and underappreciated in a lot of ways. Their engineering skills is incredible. You know, they take two pieces of the board, they take a filament out of a light bulb, um, they dip it in a little bit of gunpowder, and, you know, that's where they make their blasting cap, and they dip it in HME, and uh, they make a connection. If they complete a circuit, you know, they take the carbon rods out of a battery, and they, they place them on two pieces of uh, thin uh, boards, and when you, they bury it underneath the ground, and when you step on it, obviously it makes a connection, blows the blasting cap, and blows it up. You know, I've seen a lot of my friends get blown up, and I've lost a lot of good friends. And mm. where that, that PTSD binds from is, you know, uh, every step that you take could be your last. And um, every day that you wake up and you walk out, you know that, you know, this could be the last day that you're alive. And you learn to take things, you know, not for granted, and you, you come back and, you know, you bring those stressors back to you. Um, it so sounds terrifying, Michael. I, I just have to jump in and say uh, it's, it just sounds awful. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but, you know, nobody put a gun to her head and made a sign of contract, you know. And, and that's another thing is, you know, a lot of people, you know, we do appreciate, you know, people saying, hey, you know, I appreciate what you do for this country and everything, but they really don't know. And, you know, one thing that strikes me is, you know, all these, I'm not against any anybody with their religion or you know any anybody's belief, whether you're Republican or Democrat or liberal. You know, your standing's your standing, and that's why America's the greatest country in the world. Um, it's because your freedom. I mean, you're you're free to your opinion, you're free to state whatever you want. Um, well, you but Michael, I I have to just interrupt you for a minute. I mean, 
I think freedom's been on the decline in this country for so long. And well, I I certainly wouldn't want, wish what's you're going through on anyone. You know, I don't want anyone to live in constant fear or to have to see people being blown up. That's just awful. And then not really have the support uh, mentally and emotionally when they come home. I, I don't want that to happen to anyone. And But I well, just think it's really my, my dubious. Is, is that, you know, um, that's what I was, I was getting ready to say, is that, you mm-hmm. know, you might not uh, agree with the war, agree with the decisions that are made, but no. I say you need to be 100% supportive to those 18 and 19-year-old kids that are, are going out and doing what they're told to do. And nobody knows the real reason why we went over there. All these uh, controversies of why 9-11 was set up and all this stuff, nobody knows but the, the 12 people that sat around that big table and made that decision. You know, uh, we're just doing what we're told to do, and, you know, that's, that's you know, basically the bottom line, and you come back and... Well, but just doing, adjustment. you know, a lot of people say that they're just doing what they're told, but I think it's really important to question what you're being told and make sure it's compatible with your sense of ethics and so forth. You know, I don't think they get a blank check to do whatever they, they want. Oh, it, Michael, it looks like Michael dropped off, unfortunately. That was not us hanging up on him. And Michael, you're welcome to call back in the next couple minutes if that was just a connection that we lost. But, uh, you know, Julia, did you have anything to say about Michael's call? Um, well, I think it's sad that uh, young kids sign up for this. Yeah. I think that, um, I, I know personally, my family was very anti-military. My dad and mom did not like the military. My mom wouldn't let my brother sign uh, the selective service mm-hmm. document. And she said, if there's ever a draft, you're going, we're, we're taking you away. You will not. Wow. My, my wow, mom and dad a, were very, very anti And my parents are are like liberal and and pretty you know socialist and just average Mm -hmm. but they felt very strongly about the military just being wrong my dad actually was in vietnam for Mm -hmm. a little while i I don't think he actually went to vietnam he didn't really talk about his war days so i don't know yeah but um i forget i totally forget where i'm going with this well about supporting the troops you know that was something that michael said and you know um I don't know what to say about this. If definitely when I think of them, they're human beings and I don't want them to go through traumatic experiences that hurt them psychologically, physically, everything else. I also don't want everybody else to be forced to pay for wars that they disagree with and that have very dubious reasons for being fought in the first place. And so does that make me a supporter of the troops? I I, would say that you support the troops more because you don't want them to have to go through all that trauma, especially when it's not necessary. Yeah. I know that I just said those magic words and we're going to get phone calls. I guess not. Well, there's only five minutes left, so they better call quick. (laughs) But, um, you know, a lot of people would say that I'm just totally clueless by saying that. But I just don't I just don't think there's ever a reason for that kind of aggression. At well, all. but do we really have to know the ins and outs of the military or have been in it ourselves to say that? I don't think we do. I don't think so at all. I yeah. think that, you and know... I don't think that precludes us from having an opinion about it, that right. we don't support the, you know, war on terror. I support the human beings who have to go through that awful trauma. I want them to come home. I th- I think it's really heartbreaking. Yeah. 
I think a lot of kids sign up when they're young because they don't know what else they want to do because yes. it seems appealing. And they don't understand that exactly. it's eight years they don't, they just, or anything about what, it really. What does eight years mean to a young person, a 17 year old? You just don't, you just don't think about those consequences. You haven't been alive long enough to like realize like, okay, eight years, like that's almost half their life. At right. That point. So it just, it breaks my heart. I encourage every young person I know who talks about signing up for the army to really think about it. I, I really do. But well, and there are some great counter recruitment resources out there too. If you are thinking about joining the military right now, or if you know someone in your life who is thinking about it, please just Google search things to think about before you join the military. Uh, look at some of the, the veterans for peace materials who, who have been in the military and have, you know, tried to make it their mission to tell people that this is something you have to consider really carefully before doing. Uh, so there are lots of good stuff available yeah. online for free videos, pamphlets, everything. Let's go to uh, another phone call before we run out of time. We've got Kim in South Bend who wants to talk about teachers. Kim? Yes. Uh, Kim. Uh, I'm a physics teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, when I grew up, uh, we uh, had dress codes and things of this nature in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't think about freedom. We did what was best for ourselves. And that's where we got our freedom was by uh, individual. I think freedom, our uh, education, to be taken out of the federal domain and put back in the state domain. And you would have a choice of what you'd want to go to as far as your public education. So you're advocating um, kind of like local control, Kim, right? Correct. I'm, I'm very much for local control because of the fact that teaching, you have to know your students. And you get to know them locally. You don't get to know them by a federal mandate. I have to say I'm for local control all the way up to the individual. Me too. <laughs> Just keep going recursively, uh, you know, recursive secession, right? Isn't that the concept? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm now under Social Security Disability, so I'm not teaching anymore. But um, my feeling on it is that we start too late teaching. Okay. Uh, one of the things... I heard you say was that for a lot of the things we need education and it goes back to teach and I think we should start earlier like right out of the womb <laughs> well you know babies and young toddlers are constantly learning and they're just absorbing all kinds of things from their environment uh, the first thing that they learn is how to read people's faces and how to recognize people and that's a very important social skill and uh, they continue on from there. Uh, Kim, thank you so much for the call tonight. We're out of time. We do appreciate hearing from you. Uh, this has been Stephanie. And Julia. Julia, thank you for coming in tonight. It's been a pleasure. Meantime, check us out at freetalklive.com. We'll be back tomorrow night with Ian. Have a great night.